Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. This podcast is where remodelers and custom builders tune in for generally marketing and business growth strategies. Today, I'm going to bring on Randy Stanbury, and Randy is with Four Level Coach. His background is pretty interesting. He has been an entrepreneur for a long time and comes from the logistics business, but it's super cool how he's transitioned into our world of custom home building and remodeling and how he brings kind of an outside perspective in some ways, but then also he was able to do something that not many business owners do. And that is create a business that pretty much runs itself. And so he was able to exit that business. And yeah, he and I have been talking for the better part of this year and starting to do some things together. And I really wanted to bring him on today to pick his brain on some of how he thinks about systems, people, processes, and how you can apply those to gain more time and money freedom in your business. So uh, without further ado, we'll jump into today's episode with Randy Stanbury of Four Level Coach. Hey, Randy, welcome to the show. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to do this today. You and I have been talking for, feels like close to a year now. And uh, as we've been getting to know each other and Recently partnered up on on a couple of projects with some clients and and helping them scale. And but I wanted to to do this recording one to introduce you to our audience, but two you plug a lot of the other holes that we kind of talk about on the fringes. Obviously, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time talking about marketing, but that's connected to sales. And then once you've marketed and sold well, then you're into delivery. And if you can't deliver well, like you you won't scale. And so before we we dive super deep in the weeds, I guess, maybe just do a brief introduction, a little bit about your background, because I think that's interesting piece on how that ties into this industry. And then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, sounds good. So I started, founded Four Level Coach, which is a business advisory coaching business specifically for custom builders, spec builders, remodelers, and we have a trade piece that's very specific. So our trade piece is specifically related to the clients we have in as custom builders and remodelers who work with those trades. So the trade piece is a program to help them get better for each other, which helps create one ecosystem job site we refer to often. And basically, you know, my background, I've been in business as an entrepreneur for 27 plus years now, I guess. Jesus, time flies. But yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long time. And I guess, you know, what I learned over the years is that I I did not know nearly enough to know enough to do what I needed to do and get to where I wanted to go. And so therefore, I spent just an enormous amount of time and effort educating and spending time with high-level people all over, you know, both you know, Canada and the US and just to get better. I needed to understand more about the business side and grow my business. And that's what I did. So now today we basically, I have packaged up everything that I've learned over the last 27 years and packaged it into a system to help custom builders, remodelers do what I did, which is build scale and sell 
a business and built and scaled others. And in the process of that, what I think I was best at was getting freedom. So Mm -hmm. what I was best at is putting the right people in place, building the systems around them and removing myself from the day-to-day operation. Now, I didn't realize how special and unique that ability was until I went to sell my business. And the agents I had helping me market and sell it said, They've never seen anyone be able to pull off a deal that didn't keep them in the business for at least a year or two years after which it was sold. And the reason being is because I hadn't spent any time in my business over the last 10 years. So we pulled that off, realized how special it was, and then said, you know what, we're going to help custom builders and remodelers do the exact same thing and do what I did for those that want it. Yeah, no, it's super cool. And and I would agree that that is rare. I've talked to hundreds, maybe thousands at this point of, well, mostly remodelers and custom builders right. in the last, you know, 12 years. And, you know, doing this podcast, we get to talk to, to a lot of those folks and you you don't see it where the owner is able to totally remove themselves. Obviously, there are different levels of that, right? There's sure. I'm working one day a week, one day a month, I'm working part-time, but to not really work at all over the course of a, you know, a year, I would say is very rare on the rare end of the spectrum. Before we and that that was 10 years. And I just want to, I want to clarify something too. I mean, it's not about, because for most of us here, I mean, this is the hardest working industry on the planet, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're used to working 60 plus hours a week. That sort of not working in the business and doing anything in the business is like completely, you know, that would be kind of outrageous and hard to believe. It's not about, you know, going to lie on a beach per se, right? This isn't about going to do nothing. It's about taking what you do. You know, there's, we have other passions. It's about building another business. I'm driven by challenge. And so, you know, getting to that next level, doing more of the things that I love. So it just having the opportunity to choose what we do with our time, I believe has a lot to do with freedom. And so that's, I just want to make sure we, we understood that. Yeah, 100%. And uh, that's one of the reasons I feel like the more you and I talk, we always say like, oh, gosh, we think very similarly, because it because it's optionality in my mind, like the goal yeah. isn't to sit around and do nothing. The goal right. is like, well, if I want to work 20 hours in the business, I will or if I want to work 40, or if I want to work four, or you know, and exactly, like you said, there's other things to do. But before we go too deep in the weeds on the freedom piece, because I want to spend some time there. I think you said one ecosystem job site, as Mm. you were kind of like saying, you talk about that a lot. Yeah. What does that mean? So one ecosystem job site, I think that as a whole, we have our subcontractors showing up and they're individuals, they're coming in, they're doing their job, they're getting out. We don't really see it as one unit, as an ecosystem where we're really, the best outcome for all of us is that we have each other's back and we have each other in mind and we're working towards one greater goal for the one client that we are working on behalf of. So it's about creating this ecosystem and, and there's a a system to doing it. There's, you know, about a 10 step process to actually creating the system. But what we really drive home is that when we can create this ecosystem, everybody wins. And when, when everybody wins, we get subcontractors on our side. And what we ultimately need to execute is better subcontractors that can grow with us. Because as we grow our business, we scale our business, then we need those subcontracts to be able to come with us. And often we lose them in the process and we're continuing to, we need to create a pipeline. 
You know, we often have a sales pipeline and you talk about marketing drive sales pipeline, right? But what we don't think about is executing on that work. And what we need to do is execute is have a, a people pipeline of our own team. And we need a pipeline of subcontractors if we're going to grow that. But we need an ecosystem to keep them engaged and with us and being profitable themselves, right? So how do we help them become more profitable? How do we help them, you know, make their lives easier so they want to do more work for you and create that ecosystem that we're all winning? And so yeah. that's really a, a, it's a big piece. Yeah, yeah. What are a couple of things that that you would do with subcontractors to help them grow along with you and make sure they don't fall behind? Well, one piece is, I mean, if if you are one, if they're if they're working with you then they're, they are outside the box of word of mouth, right? They're looking to actually build a, what we refer to as the client acquisition machine, right? So they're building that client acquisition machine. They're building a machine to bring in new leads opportunities consistently. They're looking to close more of those deals for more price, higher price, more profitability. And so they have the right mindset to be able to go to the next stage is execute and scale. In order to execute and scale, you need them to come with you. And so we want like-minded subcontractors that want to do the same thing that you're doing. You have an ambitious level or they wouldn't be working with you for one, right? So they have an ambitious, an ambition level that needs to be filled. We want to get connected to subcontractors that have the same mindset. And then that's why we have this, this offshoot to our program is that we will work with our clients, our builders, remodelers, subcontractors to that want it, right? Because they don't all want it. They don't all have the same ambition level, but the ones that want it, then there is a whole program for them to elevate with you. And there's a, you know, like I say, there's a system to that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well, it feels like we could go down that rabbit hole for about, you know, 30, 45 minutes, but yes. I want to come back to the, I want to <laughs> come back to the, the freedom piece because yes. I feel like the last couple of years have been just super, super busy, right? Everybody's just been overwhelmed with demand, but it feels like there's been lots of stoppage points, you know, supply chain, labor, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those types of things. I guess, talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing are the big stoppage points. And then maybe let's get more tactical. And like, obviously there's ways around that, but what can we do to chip away towards the time freedom piece? Yeah. So And when you say stoppage points, we kind of look at that and make sure we're on the same page. It's kind of where we're stuck. Yep. Right. So where we're stuck or where we find ourselves on the hamster wheel. So where we're we're running a million miles an hour, not getting anywhere necessarily because of these stoppage points or where we're being stuck. So, you know, that those are the things that keep us from freedom. We also refer to those as, you know, being an urgent. So when we're in urgent, like this is the stuff that keeps us stuck because we can't work on our business. We have no time to do the things that are critically important, but not so urgent, right? Mm-hmm. They can be put off, right? I can put off working on my business. I got to focus on the urgent. So the stuff that keeps us in urgent is a big problem, right? But the only reason we're stuck in urgent is because we don't have someone to delegate that to, or the people we have to delegate it to aren't doing the job that they need to do. They haven't been either trained properly or we haven't, we don't have the systems in place that make that easier, better, more streamlined, more effective, more efficient for us. So therefore we get sucked back in. 
constantly, right? So if you're getting sucked back into your business, then we have an urgent issue. Mm-hmm. And the urgent issue gets dealt with through teams and systems, right? Building the right teams. And I see, you know, honestly, Spencer, I think far too often we're putting people in place before systems or far too many people in place before systems. So we have a saying about, you know, let's have profit before growth, systems before people, and the how before the what. And so this is really all of those things combined is what keeps us stuck. If we don't have the right profitability and we're trying to grow, we're going to have more frustration, overwhelm, you know, and we're trying to grow this machine, but we don't have the right profitability. Without the right profitability, we don't have the resources to build the right team. And without the right team, we don't have the resources to build the systems. Therefore, we end up in the stuck, in the urgent. We're getting sucked into everything constantly. Yeah. So I love that. I want to stop you there because I feel like I, where my next question was going is I always hear from people, let's just say they're at 3 million, something like that, three, 4 million. doesn't really matter. You could pick any any point, but yeah, we've seen, honestly, we've seen it from one to 10, yeah. 15. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And and I feel like what you hear, either they don't have the time, right? So then you're saying, okay, well, if you're too busy, you're probably spending more too much time on urgent items. So you would delegate. But then the, then the, the but that you hear next is, but I don't have the money to hire the person to delegate to. And it sounded like from what you're saying is you got to have profit before you start scaling up. So is that typically where you would start if somebody says like, I don't have time, but I also don't have the money to hire the people that would free Mm -hmm. up my time. Cause I feel like that's where people are just like, so many people get stuck there. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, you know, here's just, these are just simple facts. They're true numbers about small business, the average small business, again, whether it's one to three to five or 10 million, it doesn't really matter. We're still in that small business category. 96% and it could be 98, <laughs> but it's between 96 and 98% of businesses out there do not truly understand or know or have access to their financials on a regular basis, monthly basis, where you know that they just don't have their hand on the pulse and they don't understand their numbers. So therefore, we're doing a bunch of work. And yes, that is an absolute starting point. So the, the very first thing is got to know your numbers. Let's get the pricing right because we're often pricing based on a whole bunch of information that's either not accurate or we just don't know the true numbers and the formula to spit out the right pricing that's going to give us the profitability percentage-wise that we need to grow a business, right? So we've got to get the numbers right absolutely first. When that gets in place, shit, now we've got confidence that, hey, I could add some more work because I know it's profitable. Therefore, I could grow this. I can put some more people in place. And if I know the formula, I know what the next right people to put in place are. Mm-hmm. Because far too often, we're trying to fire people into the business just to get the work done, but we're not focused on the back end and the systems. So therefore, more people create more chaos. So when we say profit before growth, then the next one is systems before people. Now, we need people you know, along with our systems, but far too often we're firing more people at it without the systems, which which really, and, and I'm sure, you know, listeners, we see this every day. So we know this is truth that people resonate with that one big time, right? They've gone down the road, they've hired people, they throw them in the field and those people create the more problems than good. And therefore 
we often want to scale back because the growth is not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about it because if you get that like unicorn person, sometimes they can do the work of two or three people and their skill set is so vast, but like that doesn't scale, right? That's why McDonald's is plug and play, right? You can literally put anybody in any role, you know, and the machine still works. And so the system is the scalable part. Is that what, am I hearing that correctly? No, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Without it, it, there's no possibility. And then the, the other piece, like we started this whole conversation and what our world's built on is about freedom of time and money. And we've, you know, yes, and you're absolutely right with the unicorn. So I'm so glad you said that. There are there are unicorns. There are guys that are out there with a very small team that can get to 10 million or 15 million. Now, not many, but there are situations. But the truth is, you know, and this is, you know, one of, you know, Chris comes to come to mind and, you know, his, when I asked him, he said, you're doing, he was doing 15 million, a very small team, like ridiculously small for 15 million. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And I said, how many hours a day are you working? And his answer was beautiful. It was all of them. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. so, and I mean, and that's why he came to us because he was, you know, it was just, there was no life and lifestyle around that. Hey, it's great to achieve that, but achieve it without any life and lifestyle is, you know, that's not a lot of fun. So the freedom piece has to come in. The next piece of this whole puzzle of, you know, a profit before growth, systems before people. And the third one is the how before the what. The what is what we do. And we build houses, we get our remodels done. And it's virtually, I want to say, table stakes today that you know, people expect high quality, good quality workmanship. The what is what we know typically as owners in our business. And that's what we're most comfortable with. It's the how that we haven't got necessarily dialed in. Now, why is that? Because we don't have the time, the people, the bandwidth to be able to put the how together. And that's all the back end and the systems piece is, is the how. And truthfully, at the end of the day, the profitability comes from People pay for the how. They'll pay more for the how, right? What's an example of the how versus the what? Just the how is client experience. The how, period, end of story, client experience. It's the experience from the time they meet you, you know, to, you know, that first initial meeting, to the proposal meeting, to executing the deal, to breaking ground, and all the way through that build, your communication system, your software, your teams, you know, how, how that entire client experience works is the how. Now, if we don't have that dialed in, people pay for the how a lot more. Your how is worth 10 times the what, you know, yeah. so we're off far too often on the what. And again, that's another piece of why we're stuck. Why, you know, these stoppage points, as you referred to, is because we don't have the how dialed in. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I want to jump back to the profit first before growth, right? So mm. profitability, when people are struggling there and they're either low profit or they're losing money, what's more common? Is it they're pricing it wrong or they just got like too much inefficiency and like they have too much overhead or they have too many people that actually just like aren't producing enough? Which was more common, would you say? God, that's, you know, I, I'm not even sure I could tell you exactly which one's more common because they're both equally common. Oh, right? interesting. And okay. both, I, w- I would have guessed pricing. So that's, well, yeah, that's pricing. Good to know. Pricing yeah. is the most obvious one. 
right? Because that's tangible. We can put our number on, we can put our finger on that. The other is a little more intangible, but it's causing all of the issues. Yeah. Right. And so that's causing the back end of the profitability to fall off the table. It also causes the headaches and the issues and the client problems and the, you know, all of those things. Right. Yep. Which then stops us from profitability of just being able to execute and close more projects, which is what you run into. You can feed people as many opportunities as, as they can handle, but they can only handle so many opportunities. So then we have more opportunities than we can handle. And that's the worst part for me. When I see someone like it, it, it makes me kind of sick to my stomach when we have a business that can operate, but we can't execute on what's there. We can't capitalize on the opportunity. I mean, that's where where we come in and what we do best to help guys. But ultimately it's like, God, that's just such a, you know, I, I hate to see it because my belief is, and not just my belief, it's the facts, right? This is an absolute truth. Every one of your listeners, guys out there that are in this field have a winning lottery ticket in their pocket. And we believe this fully and completely because we've helped guys cash it in and we know what that number is. But ultimately, we have winning lottery tickets in our pocket. But until we get the how figured out and the systems dialed in and the people and teams right, we will never cash it in. So we need the formula and the formula is there. We just have to be able to or willing to slow down to speed up. Yeah, yeah. And I like that, too, because I love the it's a military saying and I forget which branch, but it was, I think, Jocko that kind of made it uh, more mainstream, but the slowest, slowest, smooth, smooth is fast. And I like the idea like, hey, sometimes you do have to just like, let's pause, let's get put a few things in place. Now, like the rocket ship is ready to go. I want to dive into this a little bit more because I feel like we've had clients over the last two years, you know, that just like leads just went bananas right and a lot and almost everybody just like grew by leaps and bounds but like you were saying it felt like it could have been a lot more like Mm -hmm. guys that were at three going to you know four and a half or three to five like that's fast in a year you know but they probably had six to eight that could have been closed based on just like pipeline opportunity from leads and into the sales process. Many stories like that, right? Everybody, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, it was always something that was like keeping them from doing more revenue in the same 12 month span, right? So sure. how, how do you kind of go in and and approach that when you're kind of digging to find like, how do we unlock or how do we find that lottery yeah. ticket of like the opportunities there, but we just didn't cash it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And I think, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And, you know, I've, I've figured out lots of what I didn't know <laughs> over the years of, you know, digging to figure out what I didn't know. And therefore, like, like you say, going from, what did you say, three to four and a half or something, right? That's fabulous. But what we didn't know is we could have went to six or seven yeah. in that same exact time frame because the opportunities were there, we couldn't execute on. So how to execute on it? It's one, I think it's quite simple in terms of, Again, profit before growth. Let's get the numbers right first. Let's understand pricing. There's no sense going to these are long, you know, project times, right? So we get into a bad deal. This is, you know, eight months, a year, two years, you know, yeah. of these time frames where we're still dealing with this that's not making us money. So we got to get the numbers right. When we get the numbers right, we can take off. We can 
capitalized because we now have comfortability that holy shit, I've got more money here. I've got some more re- I've got some more profitability that I didn't know existed before. Now, how do you do that? We we have that our shock and wow package. I think you know you talk about you know marketing helps sales close more deals at higher price points. So that has to all work, right? So the acquisition machine has to come into play. You've got to be able to close more deals. You've got to show up different than your competition. And basically, we believe in closing deals before you meet them for the first time. How do you do that? It's by the that whole shock and wow package, that whole delivery changes the game. So when you get that dialed in, that's massive. Without that, let's not even talk teams and systems because we're not there yet, right? So, so that's absolutely number one. Number two is starting to look at strategically how you operate now, and is that the most effective and efficient? I think far too often, especially in the remodeling world, we're doing things, we're not niched, right? So mm-hmm. we, we're we doing everything. We can do everything, but when we're not niched, <laughs> we're not looked at as experts in any one thing. Our marketing isn't working as well. The inefficiencies of how we price, because we're trying to price everything. So there's a number of factors there, right? But we really need to be able to look at our team, look at our structure, our org chart. So we go through a whole process audit and we want to understand your system today, how you work that system, and then let's rebuild that system. Sometimes it's a complete teardown. You know, sometimes there's a structure and frame there that are foundation that we can work from. And sometimes it's a good structure. We just maybe have the wrong people in the wrong seats or we've got some of the right people, but no systems. So it really does become people in the right seats, the right time going through and starting to use the right system. So it's implementing the systems that change the client experience, that makes you far more effective and efficient. And therefore you get this snowball effect. Now, another big one here's, and when I'm thinking about this, I'm kind of rolling through it and I'm all over the place a little bit. This is how it rolls. But at the end of the day, We also like marketing. I'll go back to marketing for a minute, right? Like your clients understand the importance of metrics to marketing. If we don't know the marketing, how do we dial in and tweak the marketing to get it most effective so that we can bring our cost of acquisition down, right? Or our cost per lead that leads to our cost per acquisition, right? We have to get that dialed in. So the same in our business, there's a number of scoreboards. There's a system of, we refer to them as scoreboards. They're ultimately metrics or often heard of as KPIs or KRIs, key productivity indicators, key results indicators, right? So if we are managing, tracking, understanding our metrics in our business, we can then make tweaks and improvements. This is how we can get better at what we're doing and we can get to the next level. If we don't know the numbers in our business, and I'm not just talking financial numbers, but the effectiveness of our systems. And there's no chance for us to, just like in marketing, if you just keep marketing and throwing shit on the wall, sure, some of it's going to stick, but really you need to dial it and tweak it. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, 
We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. As you're talking through like, systems keeps coming up and like order of the things keeps coming up. And I know your previous background was in logistics and having the logistics Mm. business. I'm curious, like, what did you learn? I I think people that sometimes have outside experience from other industries, and then you come into a, a new industry, something that's normal in the old industry, you bring it over. It's like brand new in this industry and it can be a total game changer. I'm curious if there are any insights or things that you found coming from logistics (laughs) over to custom building remodeling. Like what were those like, wow, why isn't anyone doing it like this? Like this would be way easier. (laughs) So logistics, the truth is, yes, you're referring to logistics in transportation and warehousing and distribution and that sort of logistics, right? Yeah, because that was your previous business. Yeah, but the truth is that Custom home builders, remodelers, yes, we we are building homes. We are remodeling. We're doing additions. We're, we're in this business, but we are in the logistics business. Mm-hmm. When people hear that for the first time, it's it's often a like, pardon? Like, <laughs> re- what? But it's true, right? Like, think about a true custom builder that outsources everything and uses sub-trade, subcontractors for everything. We are, we're a logistics company, you know, and we're also truly a client experience company. So we're a a customer client experience company that does sales and marketing and we handle logistics. Now our product is building homes or remodeling or additions, but at the end of the day, it's all logistics. And so what comes from there? The biggest thing that I believe clients want, and I don't care if it's trucking or any other business, but certainly it comes over, it correlates over to this business, right? As a builder is communication. So my entire business was built extreme care and being the best communicator in the business. And as long as if we could do those two things, client experience would take care of itself and our business would grow as a result, period. And that's exactly what happened. So communication to me is everything. And Where we have most of our issues is poor communication in this business, right? So yes, that's part of our how. The what is what we do in the field. But from a business standpoint, communication is everything to the client, to your subcontractors, to your suppliers, to, you know, your teams. It's all communication based. So really, we need to become the best communicators. We got to out communicate our competitors. And that creates the how, creates the experience, multiplies the business if you can build the team and the system around it. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting as you were talking through that. I'm just, I was like, yeah, gosh, a lot of like a lot of 
companies in this industry might do five projects a year, 10, 15, mm-hmm. 25. You know, the numbers can be relatively low because the project sizes are are so yeah. big. But like, yeah, even just like a daily recap email. This is what happened today. This is what's happening tomorrow. Like if you were just doing that for your client, like every single day or, or like to your, your trades, I'm sure you got like lots of, you know, templates and systems for all of this. But I'm thinking like, that's something right there that probably almost nobody does. But if you've only got 10 projects going on at a time, like 10 emails isn't going to take you that long to just do like, you know, <laughs> but yeah. anyway, I'm well, getting and, way and in the using, weeds, but <laughs> it's using our software. It, I don't think it is in the weeds. It's actually, you know, exactly right. And it, and it's using the software to a much higher degree. Like, you know, what, what, you know, I think is fairly typical is that we use our software about 30%, whether, you know, for most of us, it's builder trend or co-construct. And, you know, of course there's a few outliers, but for the most part, that's what we're using. Or we're not using anything at all, which is... And we need to solve that, but yeah. Right. But assuming we're using that, I think most of us, if we're dirt honest with ourselves, we use it about 30% of its capability. And therein lies part of the the challenge. That also is one of the stoppages in the stocks. You know, our system is part of the over... Or our software is part of the overall system and it has to be used. It's also a massive part of how we execute on our communication at a much higher level is using the technology that's there, yeah. you know, but it takes consistency in a team that's structured and follows a process. Right. So, you know, if we always say, if you, if you don't have, you know, insert your company name, you know, your blank way of doing business, then you don't have a way. Now, let me step back a second. We all have a way. It's just not, it's not intentfully created and structured, right? Yeah, or we haven't put a name around it, or we haven't made it a thing. Yeah. But we do what we do, and we have a process. So part of our system is being able to pull that process out of your head, what already is there, because you do things in a system, you just don't necessarily know you have a system. Therefore, it's hard to actually tell anybody else what the system is or share that or train or teach someone, right? So that all has to be extracted and then start creating the series of SOPs that create the overall system and then puts it on paper. And then that's what you can actually improve from if you're following the metrics in your business. Yeah, no, that's good. This is a random, very specific tangent on that, but we were just at Remodeler Summit last week and somebody was talking about training and systems and like, do you have a a good way of recommending like one, how to keep those up to date and then two, like continuing to make sure those are being followed? Is it a is it a meeting cadence? Is it a technology? Is it a blend? Like, I'm just curious to get your take on it because they were literally going like, this just feels hard. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it just is hard. You know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how we do it. Is it's, it's always ongoing. It's yeah, we have videos on demand and you can go watch them, but like there's the follow-up and making sure people are tested and trained. And so I'm, I'm curious to get your take on all that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, a great question. I mean, it proves your understanding and knowledge of systems because most people just don't really think about that until they're in it, right? And once you're in it, you realize how hard that is because, I mean, creating a system, an SOP is fabulous. But if the thing just sits on a desk or in a binder, it means nothing, right? So we have to be able to create it, implement it, and then keep people accountable, Mm -hmm. right? And then keep people accountable 
there is like we call a meeting pulse. You said a meeting cadence, right? So our meeting pulse is perfectly designed to make sure that we are one on top of the systems that we're creating. We're continuing to do that on a consistent basis. They're being implemented into the field and everyone is aware of that. And again, we use technology for that. I love train for that. I don't know if you're familiar with or you use mm-hmm. train yeah, at all. I don't use it, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. You know, train is fantastic. I mean, I love that, you know, you can create quizzes around to see that people, one, have gone through it, understand it, and then know it, you know, so train is fab. But we, we refer to, and, you know, we really have a, a trademarked role in the company it's called a system CIA. The system CIA. And if you think of the word CIA, you know, what's the CIA's role in government is to basically collect information and get it back to the president, right? Well, the CIA in this business, in your business as a builder remodeler is no different, but this is your systems person. This is your system CIA and the CIA stands for systems creator, implementer, and accountability person. And their role is very, very specific to find the, what we refer to as IRCs, which are issues, roadblocks, and challenges that come up every day. And we capture those, as long as we're capturing those throughout the week, we bring it to our meeting pulse where the system CIA dissects it, looks at the issue, roadblock, or challenge, and creates the new process around it. Now, that alone is it's extremely difficult to bring together. Yeah, it man. is a, a real task. It's an undertaking. But this is the steps towards building a machine that cashes in your lottery ticket. So, you know, when we talk about this, we're really, it comes down to desire. How badly do you want what you want? Because we can talk about what we want all, all day long. But if we don't actually be prepared to do what it takes to make it happen, which are a lot of these things, these steps, these processes, systems. And the system CIA in a larger business, someone that's doing, you know, five, 10 million plus is where we need the system CIA as an individual role, sole purpose on the planet is to just be the system CIA. Smaller business, you know, 1 million to five-ish, maybe six or seven, you can get away with a system CIA who also does administrative work. You know, they're also doing some other roles, but part of the role is to create the the SOPs, make sure they get implemented and make sure that they are kept accountable and held to them. Yeah. Because the initial reaction is to fall back on what we do naturally. Right. So I'm going to do what, you know, what I was used to doing last week and fuck the system. You know, if I'm out in the field, which causes the problem, I create more issues, roadblocks, challenges. Yep. Oh man, I love that that role. It's got me thinking just because yeah, it it is such an ongoing piece of it and that seems like the surefire way to at least maybe not 100% eliminate but mostly eliminate repeat mistakes. And that's mostly. you know, I I will fall on on my own sword there because classic entrepreneur, very visionary I can knock out an SOP in 30 minutes, but it's yeah. the it's the continuing like, yes, now it's implemented, now everyone's following it. And then that's where I'm just like, I get bored and I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. Or like yeah. I'll build a system and then I shortcut the hell out of it. You know, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'll I'll so For I sure. love but, I love but you're idea. also you're the entrepreneur. Right. You're not the systems person in this business, although oh, we yeah, try to yeah. be. But I'm saying, like, I'm thinking about that for who who am I going to find to be the, the right? CIA? Yeah, 
And we have a process like we have the job ad, we have the, the interview questions that weed out the right one. Like you don't get the right person. This thing doesn't work. Yeah. You know, so so there is quite a there's a system to everything and there's a system to finding this person, right? So all of this has to kind of come together. But you know, I really do believe and, and that role is not traditional role in business, but it certainly has been in my past businesses and moving forward into this world. I think this is the piece that's missing for most guys, to be honest with you. Yeah, I t- I would agree with you there just from a conceptual standpoint. It's a, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, let, let's pull a different idea out and insert it into it. But it's like, man, this is actually pretty critical. Randy, I could, we could <laughs> spend a couple more hours. I do have a couple more Good. questions for you before we yeah. wrap. But before I get to those, if people want to learn more about what you're up to, where to find you online, where should people go? Go to a website is fourlevelcoach.com. So the number four level coach, but you can also jump into our Facebook group for any builders, remodelers, spec builders, trades. We have a group specifically where, you know, we do our lives every week and we, you know, share content, tips, tools, strategies, insights in the Facebook group. So you can go to the Freedom Builders Facebook group, jump in, ask to join. You got to, you know, ask, answer a few questions to make sure that you're suited for the group because it's very specific. And, uh, you know, if you want to reach out to me directly, it's randy at fourlevelcoach.com. It's my email. I'm happy to chat with any of your, any of your people that want some help. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, let's wrap with two more questions. It's kind of a little uncertain as to how the year is going to end up. You know, there's all the articles around recession. You know, we're debating now, are we in a technical recession? Are we not all this, you know, that aside, where do you think the big opportunities are over the next six to 12 months for custom builders and remodelers? (laughs) I mean, you basically just said where the opportunity is because you know, like Warren Buffett, when everyone else is fearful, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. When everyone else is excited, I'm fearful. And we have a bunch of people that are fairly fearful out there today about what could happen, may happen, what we might be in or not be in. And my view is always, and again, I say this, you know, I think we talked last time about this, that our businesses, we we need such a small piece of the market to be extremely successful of what's out there. So I'm about driving forward, especially in a time of uncertainty, let's keep moving. Let's let's keep improving our business. Let's put the systems in place. Even if you are in a little bit of a slow turn right now, where you know maybe the phone slowed up a bit, what better time to build your teams and systems and get ready for that push, continue to work with you and, and drive marketing and get more of the piece that's out there, right? So I think there's a huge opportunity in the next six, 12 months to put our foot on the gas and not take it off, you know, being fearful. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah. And it's interesting. We went to the remodeler summit last week. They had a panel of three super successful companies and ones that had been in business for a while. And one of the questions was just, what are you guys doing as you head into the recession or, you know, however the Mm -hmm. question was phrased and Three of them said, well, we, we doubled down on marketing during the last recession. And then, so we're doing the same thing. But they also just talked about very similar to you, just like this is the time to step on the gas, whether it's marketing sales, like tightening up your delivery, improving your experience, like wowing the customers, like go harder during this time. So, yeah. Well, and, and the beautiful thing, I love that, that, you know, th- they're so on page with what I, how I believe and how I think too. I went through this in 2008, 
you know, I think many of us went through this and that's exactly what I did then and had really very little hiccup during that time where everyone else, you know, had massive hiccups. Because I think when we pull off the gas, we get fearful, you know, we kind of turtle up and we get into a bit of a shell and, you know, that starts coming out in who we are, how we're showing up, how we're selling. And it creates a snowball effect within our own organizations. Everyone else on the team is fearful too, if you're showing up fearful, right? So, you know, I I love that. And I also believe that when we come out of this, whenever that time period is where, you know, it takes off again, because it is cyclical. And at the end of the day, when you build the machine during that time and you come out of this and the, your weaker competitors fell off the table during that time, there's just that much more market share to be had at the end. Yeah. So let's prep for this. Yep. Get ready. Yeah. 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 Fall guy. He talks about this as like separation season, time to separate yourselves from the competition. Big time. So, um, Big time. all right, Randy, final question. Love if you it. could leave, if you could leave our listeners with final words of wisdom or mm-hmm. one piece of advice kind of, you know, in the business realm, what would that be? Know your numbers. You know, it, there's so many one things that could leave you with, but sure. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the most important thing is you got to know your numbers. You know, if 96 to 98% don't have their financials, we know that we're talking to your listeners and everyone's, you know, there's 96 to 8% are in that boat. And if you are in that boat, you don't know your numbers, you're in real tough to get to where you ever truly want to go. So you got to know your numbers. You got to get your financials right, get your book straightened out, start understanding financials, like knowing how to read financials, knowing what they mean what your break-evens are, what your ratios are. All of those things allow you to make better business decisions. And without it, you just simply can't do it. So that I would say you got to know your numbers first and foremost, especially in, at this time, you know, this downturn. Don't be taken on shit. Don't lower your prices to get work just to keep you busy and lose money. Yeah. You know, it's not, not a good time to do that. Yeah, no, it's- Good, good advice. Great advice to end on. And Randy, thanks so much for spending time with me today. This was awesome. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Spencer. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Randy. Man, good conversation. Several kind of aha moments, plenty of takeaways. And as always, let's pull a few of those out. I actually, one of my favorites was that concept of the systems CIA and having either a dedicated role or part of a role focused on basically looking at the systems, getting feedback from the team on issues, problems, and then baking those back into the systems and improving the systems that you've got. And man, ever since we hit stop on the recording, I've been thinking about that and just how valuable that role is. And again, if you think about roles within a business, they don't have to be a whole person at the beginning. Sometimes, you know, as you know, when you first start, it's just you and you're wearing all the hats and you have all the roles. And so somebody on your your team, or maybe it's you can take on this role, even if it's part time, and even if you're not able to execute it at the highest level. But I think baking this in and thinking about this concept is extremely powerful. So that was a big takeaway for me. Another one was kind of the order of operations in how Randy laid everything out and the, the profit before growth being the first level and then working into the other concepts that he he talked about. But you don't want to grow if you're not profitable. And so making sure that the the levers work, the metrics work, you you really have a good grasp on the model, the business model in general. And so you can be profitable at half a million, a million, two million, five million. 
10 million, but you don't want to get to the point where you're like, I talked to a guy, I think it was last month, but doing 5 million, breaking even. Okay. So something's not working there with the model. And so could he have done 3 million and uh, changed the model and made more money? The answer is probably yes. And so I like that idea of focusing on the numbers and the profitability first. And, and that really was Randy's big takeaway right at the end was you got to know your numbers. So I'm going to leave leave the takeaways at that is know the numbers, combine that with making sure you're profitable first, then scale, and then explore this concept of the, the system CIA. I thought that was super interesting. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to unlock within that, that concept. So as always, guys, really appreciate you listening to the podcast, tuning in. Hopefully this one made you think, hopefully you learned something new. You've got some piece of actionable advice or, or something you pulled out that you can put into practice in your business. We appreciate it when you tag us, share the show. And uh, with that being said, we'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text radio to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.